0: the Boy you to sleep podcast we're going to read the book titled The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman if you've enjoyed the readings I'm glad I'd really appreciate if you had the time to go onto the podcast app leave a comment let me know if you're enjoying the episodes and as always I hope they make you feel a little bit sleepy. In the meantime, kick back, relax, and let's get into the book. It is very seldom that mere ordinary people like John and myself secure ancestral holes for the summer. A colonial mansion a hereditary estate, I would say, a haunted house, and reach the height of romantic felicity, but that would be asking too much of fate. Still, I would proudly declare that there is something queer about it, else why should it be so cheaply let, and why have they stood so long untenanted, John laughs at me, of course, but one expects that in marriage, John is practical in the extreme, he has no patience with faith, an intense horror of superstition, and he scoffs openly at any talk of things not to be felt and seen and put down in figures. John is a physician, and perhaps, I would not say it to a living soul, of course, this is dead paper, and a great relief to my mind, perhaps that is one reason I do not get well faster, you see, he does not believe I am sick, and what can one do? If a physician of high standing and one's own husband assures friends and relatives that there is really nothing the matter with one but temporary nervous depression, a slight hysterical tendency, what is one to do? My brother is also a physician, and also of high standing, and he says the same thing. So I take phosphates or phosphites, whichever it is, and tonics, and journeys, and air, and exercise, and am absolutely forbidden to work until I am well again. Personally, I believe that congenial work with excitement and change would do me good. But what is one to do? I did write for a while in spite of them, but does exhaust me a good deal, having to be so sly about it or else met with heavy opposition. I sometimes fancy that, in my condition, if I had less opposition and more society and stimulus, but John says the very worst thing I can do is to think about my condition And I confess, it always makes me feel bad. So, I will let it alone and talk about the house. The most beautiful place. It is quite alone, standing well back from the road. Quite three miles from the village. It makes me think of English places that you read about, for there are hedges and walls and gates that lock, and lots of separate little houses for the gardeners and the people. There is a delicious garden. I never saw such a garden large and shady, full of box bordered paths and lined with long-graped-covered arbors with seats under them. There were greenhouses too, but they are all broken now. There was some legal trouble, I believe. Something about the heirs and co-heirs Anyhow, the place has been empty for years. That spoils my ghostliness. I am afraid, but I don't care. There is something strange about the house. I can feel it. I even said so to John one moonlight evening, but he said what I felt was a draft, and shut the window. I get unreasonably angry with John sometimes. I'm sure I never used to be so sensitive. I think it is due to this nervous condition. But John says, if I feel so, I shall neglect proper self-control. So I take pains to control myself, before him at least, and that makes me very tired. I don't like our room a bit. I wanted one downstairs that opened onto the piazza and had roses all over the windows, and such pretty old-fashioned shintz hangings, but John would not hear of it. He said there was only one window and not room for two beds, and no near room for him if he took another. He is very careful and loving and hardly lets me stir without special direction. I have a schedule prescription for each hour in the day. He takes all care from me and so I feel basely ungrateful not to value it more. He said... We came here solely on my account. And that I was to have perfect rest. And all the air I could get. Your exercise depends on your strength, my dear. And your food, somewhat on your appetite. But air you can absorb all the time. So we took the nursery at the top of the house. It is a big, airy room. The whole floor nearly. With windows that look all ways. And air and sunshine galore. It was nursery first. And then playground and gymnasium, I should judge, for the windows are barred for little children, and there are rings and things in the walls, the paint and paper looks as if a boy's school had used it, it is stripped off, the paper in great patches all around the head of my bed, about as far as I can reach, and in a great place, on the other side of the room, low down, I never saw a worse paper in my life, one of those sprawling, flamboyant patterns committing every artistic sin. It is dull enough to confuse the eye in following pronounced, enough to constantly irritate and provoke study. And when you follow the lame, uncertain curves for a little distance, they suddenly commit suicide, plunge off at outrageous angles, destroy themselves in unheard of contradictions. The colour is repellent, almost revolting. A smouldering, unclean yellow strangely faded by the slow-turning sunlight. It is a dull, yet lurid orange in some places, a sickly sulphur tint in others. No wonder the children hated it. I should hate it myself if I had to live in this room long. There comes John, and I must put this away. He hates to have me write a word We have been here for two weeks, and I haven't felt like writing before, since that first day. I am sitting by the window now, up in this atrocious nursery, and there is nothing to hinder my writing as much as I please, save lack of strength. John is away all day, and even some nights, when his cases are serious. I am glad my case is not serious, but these nervous troubles are dreadfully depressing. John does not know how much I really suffer. He knows there is no reason to suffer, and that satisfies him. Of course, it is only nervousness. It does weigh on me so not to do my duty in any way. I meant to be such a help to John, such a real nest and comfort. And here I am, a comparative burden already. Nobody would believe what an effort it is to do what little I am able to dress and entertain and order things. It is fortunate Mary is so good with the baby such a dear baby and yet I cannot be with him. It makes me so nervous. I suppose John never was nervous in his life. He laughs at me so about this wallpaper. At first he meant to repaper the room but afterwards he said that I was letting go and letting it get the better of me and that nothing was worse for a nervous patient than to give way to such fancies. He said that after the wallpaper was changed, it would be the heavy bedstead and then the barred windows and then that gate at the head of the stairs, and so on. You know the place is doing good, he said, and really, dear, I don't care to renovate the house just for a three-months rental. Then do let us go downstairs, I said, There are such pretty rooms there. Then he took me in his arms and called me a blessed little goose and said he would go down cellar if I wished and have it whitewashed into the bargain. But he is right enough about the beds and windows and things. It is an airy and comfortable a room as anyone need, wish and of course I would not be so silly as to make him uncomfortable just for a whim. I'm really getting quite fond of the big room all but that horrid paper out of one window I can see the garden, those mysterious, deep-shaped arbors, the righteous, old-fashioned flowers, and bushes and gnarly trees. Out of another, I get a lovely view of the bay and a little private wharf belonging to the estate. There is a beautiful shaded lane that runs down there from the house. I always fancy, I see people walking in these numerous paths and arbours, but John has cautioned me not to give way to fancy in the least. He says that with my imaginative power and habit of story-making, a nervous weakness like mine is sure to lead to all manner of excited fancies, and that I ought to use my will and good sense to check the tendency. So I try I think sometimes that if I were only well enough to write a little, it would relieve the press of ideas and rest me. But I find I get pretty tired when I try. It is so discouraging not to have any advice and companionship about my work. When I get really well, John says we will ask Cousin Henry and Julia down for a long visit. But he says he would as soon put fireworks in my pillowcase as to let me have those stimulating people about now. I wish I could get well faster, but... I must not think about that this paper looks to me as if it knew what a vicious influence it had there is a recurrent spot where the pattern lolls like a broken neck and two bulbous eyes stare at you upside down I get positively angry with the impertinence of it and the everlastingness. Up and down and sideways they crawl and those absurd, unblinking eyes are everywhere. There is one place where two breaths didn't match and the eyes go all up and down the line, one A little higher than the other. I never saw so much expression in an intimate thing before and we all know how much expression they have. I used to lie awake as a child and get more entertainment and terror out of blank walls and plain furniture and most children could find in a toy store. I remember what a kindly wink the knobs of our big old bureau used to have and there was one chair that always seemed like a strong friend. I used to feel that if any other things looked too fierce I could always hop into that chair and be safe. The furniture in this room is no worse than inharmonious, however, for we had to bring it all from downstairs. I suppose when things such as this used as a playroom, they had to take the nursery things out, and no wonder. I never saw such ravages as the children have made here. The wallpaper, as I said before, is torn off in spots, and it sticketh closer than a brother. They must have had perseverance as well as hatred. Then the floor is scratched and gouged and splintered, The plaster itself is dug out here and there, and this great heavy bed, which is where we all found in the room, looks if we had been going through the wars. But I don't mind it a bit. Only the paper. There comes John's sister. Such a dear girl she is, and so careful of me. I must not let her find me writing. She is a perfect and enthusiastic housekeeper, and hopes for no better profession. I verily believe she thinks it is the writing which made me sick but I can write when she is out and see her a long way off from these windows. There is one that commands the road, a lovely shaded winding road and one that just looks off over the country, a lovely country too, full of great elms and velvet meadows. This wallpaper has a kind of sub-pattern in a different shade, a particularly irritating one for you can only see it in certain lights and not clearly then. But in the places where it isn't faded and where the sun is just so, I can see a strange Provoking, formless sort of figure that seems to sulk about behind that silly and conspicuous front design. There's Sister on the Stairs. And that brings us to the conclusion of tonight's readings from The Yellow Wallpaper. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope even more that you're feeling a little drowsy, but don't worry if you're not feeling completely tired yet, feel free to listen to another episode of the Boy you to Sleep podcast, and until next time, stay sleepy and good night.